All right, I got to take my wife to the airport. She's flying out to visit my daughter in California. Nice. Which means I got no supervision the whole weekend long. I'm so glad I'm not there. <laughs> I, well, again, Jim at 57, though, like that means I'll be in bed by 930 probably. Yeah, but you'll do a lot of damage between four and seven. Yes, I will. I'll start right at four, right? Welcome back to the Features Edge podcast. I'm Jim Urio. As always, we have the brains behind the operation, Bob Iacino, executive producer. And today we have, well, two special guests. After Mike Arnold, we have Sean Penn coming on to discuss the yield curve inversion. And then Taylor Swift's going to come on to talk about our strategy in the Ukraine. So sit tight for that. But right now we have Mike Arnold, our chief strategist, uh, chief strategist of Path Partners, uh, Path Trading Partners. Thank you for coming on, Mike. As always, I learn more on this episode than I do in any of the others, I think. And that's saying a lot, considering we had Cameron and Emin on in the last two episodes. So how are you? I'm doing great. You guys have fantastic guests on this podcast. I really do. I've been telling you people this. We have unbelievable guests. I guess 20 years in media for both of us, so 40 years total. We've met some cool, fantastic guests, and they all say yes. And I don't know why. It has to be me, because... I think Bobby comes across as a jackass most of the time, don't you? Yeah, most of the time I try threatening him and it, it never works. Okay, it's got to so be. So I just I'm say, Jimmy myself. wants you on. That's what I say. <laughs> complete credit then. No, but it is it's quite amazing. But normally uh, when we do the uh, technical analysis one, we talk um, macro for a couple minutes. Then Mike comes in and we're going to uh, be uh, super focused on a couple charts that he's looking at. Um, Bobby, today's rally, I don't understand it. I kind of got caught off guard by it. I sold uh, some calls yesterday at five and a half that would have been worth 60 today had I kept them one day later and I thought I was getting a good deal selling them. What do you make of today's rally? Uh, I'll hit Mike with this too, but I pay less and less attention to Friday rallies, especially Friday rallies, way less than I ever did. I know we had some options expiration today and I also know that we had some daily options because we have those every day. So I pay less and less attention to it. It's just, it's funny to me because we now have a situation where first they took the December rate hike out of the market. This was Wednesday. Then Thursday, and I'm, when I the say December rate ease, you mean? Yeah, I'm talking about, I'm, yeah, I said hike, uh, the rate cut. Yeah. Right. And uh, thanks for correcting me on that. And this is by, as per the CME Fed Watch tool, which tracks the Fed fund futures, right? So first they took the December rate cut out of the market. I saw that, noticed that on Wednesday, might have happened a couple of days before that. Then they bumped up the higher end of rates in the prediction and then put the cut back in. And that was on Thursday. So as of now, we're still pricing in rate cuts on Thursday or on in December, but from a higher level, which I guess I'm okay with, although I still don't think they do that, especially based on the data we got this week. Yeah, I'll say say one thing based on the data that we got this week and based on the efficacy and the lag time of rate hikes. I think it is we are in such a messed up situation right now where the Fed is considering 50 basis points on March 22nd. But every one of us knows that there's probably a nine to 12 months lag time before we start feeling the actual efficacy Mm -hmm. of the rate hikes, which means we are just beginning 
to feel rate hikes from the beginning. And I know I'm not talking about real estate. Real estate is much more of a straight line um, uh, relationship and everything else. You know, companies that are planning on borrowing for projects, that doesn't all happen right away. So right now by them, if hiking 50, which I don't think they're going to do, I think they're going to hike 25 on, on March 22nd. That they're, they're really basically saying that we need it right now, but the market's saying, we know that this isn't going to come for nine months. And that's why those rate eases are in there. What I'm saying is this is a no win situation right now. And it seems like it's going to be a long slog and I'm a little bit depressed about it. You got any thoughts on that? I do. It's interesting. I had a little Twitter conversation with uh, Steve Chivarone and Jonathan Farrow. And um, I tried to include uh, Lindsay Paega, but she didn't include me in it. Um, but she had a she had an interview on Bloomberg today and she's super, super smart, PhD in economics. And she said that the lag times dropped substantially because of the rampant communication. She didn't call it that. I'm calling it that. She called it transparency. I'm not going to call it transparency because that's like the information age kind of. Yeah, thing. that has a connected. positive spin to it. Transparent. Hmm. I don't think the Fed is positive at all. I think they're very negative. But she said that the lag time has been greatly reduced by all of the communication by with Fed speakers and summary of opinions and everything else that we get. So she thinks the lag time is much shorter. But even if you say a six month lag, we didn't get above 4% on the terminal rate until December. So we're nowhere near where these rate hikes really should be showing up. And that brings us to, um, who was it? It was, um, you commented on somebody's tweet today about they've completely forgotten about the lag. Um, I think it was Joe Lavornia. Joe Lavornia, who we'd love to get on, by the way. Um, oh, but he, he said he wanted to be on. Okay, good. We'd love to get him on. So I'll, I'll reach out to him. But he, you know, he said they seem to have forgotten about the lag, but I don't want to say too much on this because, I, Jim, I don't even know if you know this, but a very big um, mutual client of yours and mine has asked if we'll do a back and forth about this exact subject, about whether okay. the Fed is going to overshoot or not. So there's going to be a video coming out from that particular institution. So we'll talk awesome. about it then. But I think that's a very interesting subject that we're not going to go into more today. Good. Yeah, that's called a, what do you call that in the media world? That's a tease, tease? right? That's yeah, I think a it's a tease. It's almost like a yeah. cliffhanger. Jim and I are going to be discussing for this large institution whether or not the Fed is going to overshoot. Yes. And it was based on a sub stack that we wrote, which you guys should support. Well, Jim and I take turns writing it. This one that I wrote based off of one that he wrote. So you guys, Money, um, money Markets and Mayhem, you guys should look that up on Substack and subscribe to that because we're we right. Appreciate it very much. Remember too, with the Substack, this is the way we're going to communicate if we all get booted off social media, which with Bobby and I's attitude toward things is, an, is a definite possibility. Um, and I'm Likely not even joking. Probability. Likely probability. Mike Arnold, right what here. is the we get booted off YouTube uh, watch <laughs> tool at right about now? What percentage do you think? 80. What was that? <laughs> what is the <laughs> Bob and Jim podcast gets booted off YouTube probability at right now? Uh, you know what? YouTube's been actually a little better uh, for some strange reason. So, I mean, th there are certain topics you can't talk about still, but it's been lightened up a little, <laughs> bit, a, little a little. So you guys should be good to go. Nice. All right, good. Excellent. I'm going to sign up for the sub stack anyway. Anyway, we got Mike Arnold here now, and we have uh, we have the S and P E mini chart up there now. I think it's fascinating. I have some opinions on. It. I'm curious if Mike agrees. Before you get quick quick into it, can you explain what those three uh, what the three moving averages are that you look at the most? Actually, there's four, but the the, four. 
the top two are the orange line, the blue line, which are the rotation zone, the 8 EMA and the 21 EMA, where we watch for market rotations. The ones we use for targets, and targets can be used for raising stops or taking profits. The green is the 50 EMA. The red is the 200 simple EMA. Or and why do you use those? Pardon? Why do you use those? I'm setting you up. What? Because that's what tests better. <laughs> what was that? He said because it tests better. Yeah. They what's what do you mean test? We test. <laughs> we don't test. It's a guess. Just a we guess. just randomly put up lines in our charts and we vary them from week to week depending on what narrative we want. <laughs> of course. That's just kidding. Okay. We, so we don't do what's that. Oh, uh, well, we're getting a strong rally out of, uh, we we were at something I don't normally talk about on this show, but we were at cycle bottoms. I do monitor cycles for tops and bottoms. We were at cycle bottoms. We've been trying to bottom. We had some waning momentum with divergence, which means lower low in price action, higher low in a couple of key indicators I follow. So that just tells me, hey, we could be set up. Yesterday, we triggered some buy setups. We've got follow through today. I completely agree with, with Bobby with uh, Fridays, especially with the zero date expiration options. You can see these extended moves. We have strong internals today coming off a bounce move. Is this meaning we're going to new recent highs? Not yet. We also, we triggered on uh, Tuesday, the 21st of February, we triggered a double top pattern. You can see here our range between, I had the aggressive targets on, but the conservative targets were between about 39.35 and 39.15, depending on which targets you were using. We bought them in there yesterday, and now we're getting the bounce move higher. So where do we bounce to? The key, we have a lot of overhead resistance. If this move continues, which it could see follow through for the at least early next week. So, you know, the Monday the 6th, Tuesday the 7th. We have Powell, don't we, next week also? Uh, Days of it. We have the next key area is about 4062. The breakdown zone from the candle bodies right before the trigger of the doubles about 4091. And the level that I need to surpass to at least start targeting the most recent high area from the beginning of February, I need a daily close above 41.02 to continue a targeting a higher move. So this so far is just a bounce move, not a sustained new recent new swing high moves. But the bounce could take you up to that the low end of those candles, you believe? Oh, yeah. The bounce could. We could see follow through to the beginning of next week uh, into the major rollover zone. And this is the major area where I'm going to watch for this bounce to peter out is between 4067 and 4102. That's where I will target the shorter term charts uh, for a rollover move. And if you see, I switched to a weekly. Let me take this off real quick to clean up a little of the charts. You can see right now, we, we're sort of in this sloppy channel and we have a downward trend line. If we were to really continue a power move higher, 
the major target area would be about that 4160 to 4200 area before I'd expect another potential major rollover play. So, you know, I always try to pressure you to break it into like short-term momentum direction, medium-term and long-term. So based on what you're saying right now, short-term uh, could be rel I mean, relatively strong for another what, 50 points or something, right? We could see more. I'm, you know, at this point, it's in trailing mode to the upside, but we could easily see some higher price actions, especially in this market. Medium term is new, more in this overall, we're in a huge consolidation pattern. If I zoom out, you can see here, we're still in a range that was established back in November. We broke to a lower range in December. We went back to that November range. We broke out in uh, February, end of January to February to a higher consolidation range. And now we're, we might be heading back up there. But if you take the macro since November to now, we're in just a major consolidation. So uh, I'm in neutral mode, medium term. The only thing, uh, let me give you my breakdown levels. My breakdown level, which will shift me to more short-term or more medium-term bearish mode, is a daily close below 39.15. That will take me into the consolidation range from the end of December to the beginning of January. We get a daily close below 37.86.75. That takes me into bearish mode, targeting a retest of October lows and a possible break. Until that happens, I have to stick with the short to medium term price action. Bobby? Yeah, I mean, you know me, Jim. I still think that's more likely to happen than, than not, is that breakdown. Um, but I mentioned it on our, on our Path Trading Partners live streams. Uh, I've talked about it on TV. I, short term, I'm bullish stocks. I really am, ultra short term. Don't have a position. I do not have a position. Um, and actually, I just hate that I said that because I make a big deal about I'm not bullish or bearish. I just follow patterns. But the fact that I don't have a position tells you that I don't have a pattern. Right. But if somebody held a gun to my head, I would say Mike's uh, 50 points higher is, is more likely than rolling over immediately on Friday. But I still think, you know, we got two days at Jerome Powell. What is that, Tuesday and Wednesday? Tuesday and Wednesday. And there's ample time for him to answer a question. And, and obviously, so here's one of the key things, and I don't want to ramble on because this one makes these uh, technical days go so long. He, Congress, whether it's the Senate or the House, is going to be trying to push him to say they're going to pause because that's the popular opinion, right? And uh, so he has an opportunity to either A, not say that, or B, even push back. And I don't think he has the uh, courage. That's probably not the right word to do. You were going to say balls. Why wouldn't you I say was, balls? Well, because if we listen to our friend, Michael Farr, Michael Farr says that Jerome Powell has nothing but balls and he knows him personally. Uh, so, he does know him personally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, so I don't want to say that about him, but I just okay. think this beating up of the Fed is getting old. It's boring, man. It is boring. It's like when they call it transitory, they suck. When they say it's um, it's sustained now, it's entrenched, they suck. They're overshooting. No matter what they do, by the way, that may be because they suck, right? It may yeah. just, 
because they're terrible. But I just think on the one hand, it's a little, it's really easy to just keep saying that. It's really, sure. really easy, which is why I took the position I took in the sub stack in yeah. that, you know, they, I they like it. if I were Jerome Powell and I had the balls, which I think I do, but who knows when you're in that situation, maybe my balls would be cut off is I would say, Hey, you got a problem with what I just did change my mandate. Yeah, problem. Yeah, this is your fault. Change the mandate. Yeah. You guys put out the stimulus checks. You guys caused the shutdowns, which ruined the supply chain. And you gave me this dual mandate. So yeah. do something yeah. about I'm, it. I'm with you. I think they just don't have the tools. Like I said, I'm a big Fed basher. I say the Fed sucks. But I also think that it's just it's impossible. It's like trying to you know rope cattle blindfolded as they're running by you. I don't even know why, like, I'm not a freaking cowboy. I don't know why I thought of roping cattle blindfolded, but uh, it just, it's like you just are trying to anticipate where something's going to be, whatever. But yeah. uh, so Michael, I have one more question for you. At what but, point- Besides what should we do with the Fed? We should get rid of it. We should get, of course Mike's, we should get rid of the Fed. Mike's Let had this stance for a long time. Is to, he, he's disliked the existence of the Fed and they're meddling for, well, I don't know. It how long cannot work. Yeah. Mike, how long have I known him? What's that? You've known me for, oh, what, 15 years? Okay, so at least 15 years he's had this stance. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> at least well, I've only had years. it for three, and I'm, I'm joining you wholeheartedly. <laughs> My question about this chart, though, what has to happen for you to say the new bull is on and we're going to the moon? The new bull is on. We need at least a weekly close below, above 43.70. What's four three seventy? Is that a high that the the highs of uh no it's okay. actually based off a key harmonic level. It's based off a key harmonic level in the markets where the probabilities will shift that we should retest uh the higher range, not necessarily new highs, but the higher end of the range, which would could be forty seven hundred to forty eight hundred. Okay, let's move to a new thing. Okay, but one last question too. Do you, deep down, do you expect kind of a slog back and forth um, while we solve the fundamental issues of the next maybe even year? Uh, well, longer term, unless we get the close about 4370, systematically, the longer term systems still call for a breakdown below the October lows. I expect in the it's going to be a choppy ride unless something comes out of nowhere, separate from any er next earnings season or one afterwards. If Unless something comes out of nowhere, we're more in this tactical trading, sloppy, back and forth, range-bound market where it'll test some highs, it'll test some lows, and we'll end up with like a massive monthly or five-month doji pattern. Got it. That makes sense to me. Let's move on to the next topic. So we stay hyper-focused. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby told me before the show that I have to stay hyper-focused. We're <laughs> already off listen. the focus. But you're already, <laughs> we're not focused. <laughs> we're like, it's like herding cats with us. It just doesn't work. I can't even control myself. Okay, here's the NASDAQ. Let's roll. NASDAQ, I'll just give you the short-term area. And by the way, when I talked about cycles before, I'm looking for psych daily cycles to top next Tuesday or Wednesday, which sort of corresponds with Powell's testimony. So whether that holds up or not, interesting. And that's true in the S&P, NASDAQ, Dow, et cetera. They're all trading in lockstep. It's just a magnitude of moves. 
The short-term levels I'm watching in the NASDAQ for a rollover player between 12.395 and 12.530. We get a daily close above 12.530. I'm watching for the retest of the beginning of February high range. The bull pattern for the NASDAQ is not till a close above 14,400. So we're a long way off from any sustained bullish move in there. The key breakdown level on the NASDAQ is a close below 11,575. If we get a close below 575, I'm expecting a retest of the January 23 low area, which was established at the end of December, beginning of January, before the breakout move on Friday, the 6th of January. Another Friday, big move. Interesting. So where does the big, where does the bear happen in the NASDAQ? A close below those January lows? Well, we first, the, the warning sign is below 11,575. And then we get a key close below about 11, I mean, 10, 800. Yeah, okay. the, the bear is on. Right. And that, that takes us, because there's lows lower than that from last October, right? The, the technical low from last October is 10,598. Oh, so Mike, hold the chart, hold the chart back where you had it, where it's zoomed out. When you look at this zoomed out chart, right? Keep going the way you had it a second ago. <laughs> well, this says people are actually saying we're not still in a bear. And you look at this chart, you know, yeah. as it's zoomed uh, out back to the 2022 highs, it looks terrible. Yeah. It just looks like we were, we let's go to the weekly. Look, this is a weekly. Keep yeah, things in right. perspective. This is what I try to tell people. They're like, oh my God, bear market's over. Is it? Is mm. it? I mean, look at this chart. It's all about uh, you know, the perception of the overall move. And you know, the TV guys do this. And you know, again, full disclosure, Jim and I have been on TV for about 20 years each. But the TV guys will be like, oh, NASDAQ is having a raucous, tremendous performance in 2023. Look at this garbage. This is garbage right now. Yeah. You know, and literally, if you look at it on a weekly, this, this is a weekly still, Mike, right? Yeah. You look, just, just look if we break the November highs of last year. We're back right into that, basically the doldrums of the NASDAQ, like the, the lowest levels. You know, we're not exactly at the lowest levels, but all you got to do is break those November closes those november high yeah. closes and you're right back into it right so it's it's not yeah. pretty yet man it's not pretty at all yet but i i look at that chart i have to tell you guys if you if, if you take out the high from like four weeks ago the wick on the green candle and yeah. settle above there in a weekly to me if i got another um and again i do technicals different than you and i'm starting to morph towards mike arnold technicals but my technical background would say if we closed above that wick from the green candle from four weeks ago and then the next week made a high above that, I would say that that downtrend is broken. You think I'm totally crazy in that, Mike? Well, you'd be breaking the downtrend line. But what so what we did for years, Mike and I did for years, and I still do it, um, is trend lines can be redrawn. Right. So you have a downtrend line and it's very steep. That's usually the initial moves right? The initial moves down are always much more aggressive, really in any asset, right? Right. That's then, the line I was Mike, looking at that Mike just drew in. Yeah. Okay. So there now you can, I would already have redrawn this trend line personally. 
because we got a break of the trend line, right? Right. And I would redraw it to there. And now there's the trend line. It's still a downtrend. You get a break of that, you'd redraw another trend line. It's still a downtrend. Now, people right away think just because you've broken a, a downward sloping upper trend line that you can't have a flatter down move. You can. And it, ha- it happens all the time, right. right? And that's just like with inflation or anything else, else I've talked about with technicals. It's like you get a steep decline and you get a flatter decline and you get a flatter decline and then you break out and it turns into an uptrend, right? Long For example, can I just jump in real quick? Yeah, please do. I still remember when this happened, all right, because we had this run up in August and it broke this trend line that a bunch right. of people are watching. And oh, we've broken the trend line. The down moves over. We're going to do, uh-oh. <laughs> Redraw. Oh. And then we didn't break that trend line until January of this year, this redrawn trend line. We actually tested it in December and sold off again, forming this a little triple bottom support. And so see, it's already flat. It's already flattened somewhat once. And now it's flattening a little bit again, but this would be for a short-term push potentially higher. But if you look at this still price action, anywhere in this area is just a huge consolidation. If we go to monthly, you can even see it clearly on the monthly. We're in just a huge consolidation range that, yeah, we could break a little up, but look at the candle bodies. You're still in this big consolidation pattern, which actually matches a consolidation pattern from 20 before we broke out to the new highs. So we're- And this is, I'm sorry, this is almost worth getting into because there's two things that Mike created. Uh, One of them is just really just verbiage, but it's a really good way to remember. And another one is kind of Mike's, it's not as, it's his intellectual property because he put it all together. What Mike is doing for you here is candlestick math, right? He's taking- a bunch of candlesticks and compressing them and trying to show you, look, it really is no movement at all, right? To kind of try and get people to stop living candle by candle. So when he goes from a daily to a weekly to a monthly, he's compressing candlesticks and he's showing you this and it's like, look, where's the recovery? All we really did was base and go sideways. Now, Mike, if you can go back to that trend line where you showed the redraw, um, to your credit, Jimmy, to, to the way that you look at things when we... So go back one draw, Mike. Go back to one older trend line. So um, I'm sorry, make the no, trend I know line the steeper. I'm going to. I just grabbed the wrong thing. There we go. Yeah, steep in the trend Right line. there. That's one. Yeah. Something else that Mike created. Again, this is more language than anything, but it's a really good way to look at things. Something he calls kissing the trend line goodbye. Okay. So sometimes, back to it. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you break a trend line and then you go right back to it, the old trend line, and you touch it. And you rock it from there. That's something I'll be keeping an eye on for this specific trend line. But for trading purposes, I will have I have redrawn this trend line already. And that's why people are like, well, you know, we've been rallying. How can you say we're still in a downtrend? Well, draw oh, okay. a trend line. We're still in a downtrend. Yeah, that makes sense. I've had people I've had people come at me and go, oh, well, you redrew it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Because yeah. prices change. Still in a downtrend. Right. It's just a less aggressive downtrend. That's all it is. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry. What are, what are you going to move to, crude? Yeah, if we could. Let's sure. let's knock up crude, gold, silver, and then see if Mike wants to talk about anything. I, I can go through metals really quick. Yeah, let's do copper. Let's do gold, copper, because Jimmy wanted copper, if you'd rather do that, Mike. 
Here, what, well, we're already on crude. Right, crude's fine. Crude's fine. Crude, we just completed a double bottom pattern on uh, the shorter term. Today, we just completed it. Uh, it looks like we're going to close above a key level. I'm watching for a retest of the 81.40 to 82.90. We get a daily close above 82.90. The next major target would be the 200 area. By the way, the 200, people think it's like a brick wall. It's an area I will watch for. And the end of a clear path move on a, a daily basis is just in front of the 200, about 86, 85. So that's my longer term targets only if we get a close above roughly 83. Okay, so right now in the short term targets like 81 and a half as you said? 81 and a half to 82.90, anywhere in there. I use the, when, one of the key rules of thumb is when we close above the 62 and a half harmonic, the minor target is the 75 harmonics, which is coming in 80.30, which we could take out Sunday, Monday. The next major target area based off our testing with harmonics is between the 87 and a half and the 100, which would be 81.60 to 82.90. Bobby, you got anything for that? Nope, I'm good. Okay, cool. Actually, so we're in one of these typical crude oil consolidations. Yep. Something else uh, obviously, a, a tight consolidation. Yeah. Yes. I mean, crude oil. You is can see issue. it here on the yeah. weekly. Crude oil. We've been in this consolidation range since the since the end of November. We've yeah, virtually got we've gone a, up a little, down a little, but we're, you know, crude oil is such a characteristic because it's such a pure supply and demand market. Um, that, you know, you see this all the time. There was a, I think it was like a 26 week consolidation in, um, to, in 2020, there was a 47 week consolidation in 2019. And the longer the consolidation, uh, this is not, I didn't study this. This is just not like something I noticed and I didn't study it to see if it's true or not. But the longer we go in consolidation, the more dramatic the breakout tends to be. Um, so I like these consolidations and generally I don't take a position in, in the middle of them. What's interesting to me is that that's the weekly you got right there. Right. And like the this last the weekly. eight weeks, like previous to that, there's another kind of looser consolidation that exists almost exactly, you know, above it, like the, the big candle, the red, uh, you know, the big red candle that's above current consolidation like we could easily pop out of that and then shoot back into that consolidation range, right, right back in that same area yeah definitely. yeah exactly and you you real quick you touched on candlestick math bob yeah if you look at since let's just do a quick candlestick math thing since our key close on monday or the week of november 14th of last year virtually to today we are forming our closed. We're not, yeah, we are nearly closed, but we're we're forming essentially a huge doji candle. So we take the highs from the beginning of November, the lows from December, and our candle. It would be a slight down candle, but it would virtually look like like the, if I could move this over, pretend here. Let me try this. Yeah, it's not as easy. It's not as easy on here, but all right, let me make the wide there. Let's make it wider. We're virtually like, uh, let me, it's the candle. So we're going from, we're going from November close to today's close. And we virtually have a candle that looks like this. 
we've gotten nowhere. One candle. It's just a huge consolidation. Interesting. Yeah. So again, so the takeaway from there is that short term, we test the higher end of the uh, consolidation uh, is where the probability lies. But until we settle above that consolidation, it's just basically turning wheels. Correct. Correct. Turning wheels are even the cycle tops and overbought. So I'm going to be watching next week for a pattern to stall out. We're just not there yet. Okay. Very cool. Moving on to metals. Metals, sure. What gold? I prefer copper to begin with. Copper. Okay. <laughs> we're we're stuck. It's the same level. We're stuck in consolidation. We've tried the breakout. We've tried the breakdown, and we're back in consolidation. Uh, this was a nutty couple of weeks for copper. Yes, sure this was. Is, what do you call that thing we see right in front of us? Yeah, it's just a mess. And, and the one it day though that was mess. interesting, yeah, when when copper was rallying hard, and the rest of the metals complex was getting pummeled, like a couple of days ago, that was like, wow, copper. Mm -hmm. Copper really is the secretariat of this breed, but then all of a sudden the next day I got caned. Yeah. <laughs> all right. This one's easy. Okay. On a daily close below 393, we're headed lower, at least in the short to medium term. And I'd watch to go into the, this is again, we're in an upper consolidation after hitting our key targets from the double bottom. We hit all the targets. We went into consolidation. We break below that 393 area. We're shifting to the lower consolidation range from November, December uh, with an intermediate target 377 and major support coming in about 371. In order for me to get bullish, it's the same thing I've said on a couple of these podcasts now. I need a at least a daily close above 432, if not a weekly close. That's the, that magic 62 and a half harmonic. We get the close above there, intermediate target of 456, long-term target area of 480 to 503. As long as we sit in this range, the only thing would be short-term trading patterns, nothing long, nothing medium to long-term yet. That's the way I viewed it as well, too. I had my closing above 420 to be the kickstart, but you say 432. I'll go 432. Okay. I like it. The reason I pick copper, as you, most of you guys know, this has been kind of a long-term thing for me. Uh, you know, it's been, it's been kind of a big deal and a big position of mine, but thank you for covering it. Yeah. You've been dead right. I mean, you've spoken about it multiple times. You've been dead right on it in the long term. Yeah. Dead right up to now doesn't mean dead right tomorrow though, as we all know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Tell me what you want. Gold. 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 Okay, gold, we had a little bottoming pattern against the 200 simple red line. We've now rallied off that. We completed the double bottom pattern coming up to our key cluster of moving averages. I am still watching. Today, it's going to trail mode. Our major breakdown zone is about 1880, 1878 to 1880. I cannot shift. I'm expecting another rollover play. We have cycles at the top. We're getting overbought. I will be watching for another rollover play on a continued stronger push up. The max target I'm looking at right now in the short term is about 1893, 1894 area. 
but I'm watching for another substantial rollover play to possibly on another rollover play produce a more significant bottoming pattern. We have not had a longer term bottoming pattern just yet. We're rallying off some key technical areas. What's interesting is we broke a very key technical area of uh, support becoming resistance and now we're forming an outside week which we could see some upward price action, but I'm watching for that to stall out. That's why it's in trailing mode. And then going back to what I call the secondary reaction. And that secondary reaction, which will be the next pullback move, will tell us a lot with the underlying strength of gold in the medium term. Yeah, I hate to jump in like this, but I, I swear, it, you were trying to say, I cannot shift to, and I thought you said I cannot shift. And I burst out. Like, <laughs> I'm like, why would he say that right now? <laughs> Seems like a weird thing to say. Yeah, it's like, we're crew. only after the podcast, they'll try and figure out a way to help. But yeah, we can help, right? Silver, right. silver, silver. Uh, we're closing right at the 200. Again, this would just be a corrective pattern. I'm watching for a roll over play anywhere between now because of where we're closing if we continue to rally about 2170 to about 22 for a roll over play uh we have a lot of technical stuff to chew through which i'm not super i love silver but until we establish a much better stronger bottoming pattern this is just a corrective move I will be watching for the next rollover play. My maximum short-term target is about 2240. Uh, other than that, we need a substantial, maybe by the next time I'm on, we'll have a more substantial bottom setup, but nothing key just yet. Hmm. What uh, what would make it a total green light bull above settle above all that uh all that traffic from a couple of weeks ago? It's not just a couple of weeks ago. There's just a lot of technical stopping points above here. And you even see on the weekly, we'd at least have to get above 2240, 2240 on a weekly closing basis before I'd even consider. Uh, we've, we've taken a lot of the short-term technical damage out of the way. Right. Makes sense. So you still think, think on all frames, Silver is mostly in a downtrend right now. Mostly in a downtrend. We can continue a short-term bounce, but then I, I'd be watching for that secondary reaction, which is the pullback to help establish, all right, have we set in some underlying key support or underlying longer-term buying patterns we can lean against for establishing a new bullish position? Right. Interesting. Bobby, what do you want to cover next? If it's okay with you, Mike, I want to throw in kind of a wild card that Jimmy can't really talk about, but I'd like to look at the 10-year note before that. Can we look at you? I don't care if you look at yield or price. doesn't matter to me. We can look at I can switch back and forth. I got them both here. I got the micro yields and the 10-year notes. Why don't we do yield? Most people look at it in yields. So yields are easier to look at. I agree. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Interesting. All right. So in terms of the yield, we closed yesterday above that 62 and a half. Today, we're getting a pullback move with the uh, market rally. 
I'm watching for continued price actions. My next harmonic target cluster is about 412. And then 427 is the major. I'm expecting yields longer term to return to the high range that was that was established at the end of October, beginning of November, the high range up between 427 and 440. I have so a, that's your that's your target is 440-ish, 427 to 440? That's my longer term target area. This pullback does not do any major technical damage. We need to at least on a closing basis, a daily closing basis, get below about 375 on a yield on a daily closing basis before we've done substantial technical damage, which would make me adjust that target. Can I ask a quick question? Because like I would look sure. at this chart and I, I come to the same conclusion as you, I think, but for different reasons. Like I look at that high that looks like around the first couple of days of January, which is what? Can you check that real quick? Right in there. This is that about a 388. So we come, we go through that a couple of days ago in that green, big green candle. And then we come back and test it. We jog around a little bit and then we move to the upside. To me, that's all I need. Is that valid in your opinion or is that's that just completely kind of, valid? So you had yeah, key okay, resistance, good. which was also established yeah, yeah, look back at in November. Yeah. All right. Same yield. Retested end of December, beginning of January. Then we broke. This is just a fantastic concept. If you want to use just a simple charting technique, which we talk about all the time, you have key resistance. We got a close above it. We did a pullback and also notice with the rising daily rotation zone. So we got a pullback. Then we we retest that high area, bounced off it a few times. We got the support of the rotation zone, the close above it on Wednesday, March 1st, followed through. And now we're just pulling back to this other short term. If I mark this off, if I mark this level off right here, look, you have the same thing, rising rotation zone, the resistance now becoming support. One of the things I love to teach people, too many people focus on wicks, on candle wicks. They're like, I need, look at the candle bodies. You're going to spot a lot more if you just focus on candle bodies. You see here, I didn't touch the wicks from December. Candle bodies, right. candle bodies, candle bodies. Gravitate toward, that's why we use candle, that's why I use candlesticks, because it makes they you gravitate towards the key opens and closes, which are more make. important than the highs and lows. I, love I, actually that. Taught, I actually taught that, Jimmy, you and I were in Las Vegas, uh, both of us speaking, I think it was 2019. And one of the things I taught in that particular seminar was that there's four things every candle shows you, uh, an open, a close, a high, and a low. And the least important of those is the open and the most right. is the close. Um, the high and the low to me, well, actually it's not true. The open can matter quite a bit depending on where it happens and when it happens. But um, the high and the low to me matter pretty much the least because there's so many times where we dismiss it. We're like, yeah, you got that, but that was just an uptick or that was just, you know, a weird high or that was on a, on a, you know, the computers got screwed up in New York and everybody chased after it. That high doesn't matter anymore. Well, then why does it not, why does it matter so much in typical trading? You're making judgment calls on when the high and the low are appropriate and when they're not. Go ahead, Mike. I would just like from, uh, from my testing, which is significant retests of levels, the ranking of it is close. 
is the most important, followed by open. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then depending on the market and whether you're in a bull or a bear market, you're going to either have the high or low taking slight significance more so. But the two that fall the lowest are the highs and the lows, unless we're talking about triggers for key patterns. That's the only time they pick up significance. Other than that, I would sit. If you had to choose levels to focus on, choose the close first and then the open. Awesome. Okay, good. This this actually episode, like I followed you better than I have in the past before. Sometimes I get focused and I was focused. And I was catching on. You only one beer. So I'm good. You didn't have a bourbon today, Bobby, or no? No, not today, because I actually, as you know, I got in here late. I had a uh, a quick emergency for some content that I had to re-record, and then I got in here late, so I didn't get time to make my drink. But I do want to throw in one wild card chart with a very targeted okay. and focused question, if I could. Uh, Mike, XLF, do we have a valid double bottom there or not on the daily chart? This, of course, is a financial sector ETF. Is that a valid double bottom or is it not? No. Okay. That's all I needed. It is like, not a valid double bottom. You can explain why if you want to, but because this, the lows, uh, and this is where we will use a low, but the lows from Thursday the second went too far beyond the lows of Friday the twenty fourth. So this is not a valid double bottom. Now you get a close, especially here's where I look at the opening price from this gap down candle from Tuesday the 21st of February you get especially a daily close above that you can use some other targets but here's the problem you have a you're just shifting into a major consolidation so there's what I talk about many stopping points that could end the rally there's a stopping point here there's a technical stopping point here there's a technical stopping point here. So we don't have, this is the least favorite price action I like to trade into because yes, a rally can continue, but I have way too many targets to, we could just chop around up in here and end up with a bunch of nowhere again. And that's very important to note that um, one of the things Mike said there is it's not a technically correct double bottom. That does not mean it's not going to go higher, by the way. Because we've had I've had people say to me in the past, well, if it's not a double bottom, then it should be a short because double bottoms are technically longs. Absolutely not. So it doesn't mean that this won't play out. It doesn't mean that it won't hit the target of a, a target of how someone might draw a double bottom target. It just means it's a much lower probability of completing the pattern. Therefore, it is not technically correct because we try to be on high probability. Therefore, we could not now you can still trade. As I said, you get a close above the open from the 23rd. You could still technically trade it as a long pattern. You can't use double targets. You can use other targets. You just can't rely on the targets that would be generated from a double bottom pattern. Right. Perfect. All right. I got to take my wife to the airport. She's flying out to visit my daughter in California. Nice. Which means I got no supervision the whole weekend long. I'm so I don't know if that's trouble. <laughs> I, well, again, the gym at 57, though, like that means I'll be in bed by 930, probably. Yeah, but it's you'll do a lot of damage between four and seven. 
Yes, I will. I'll start right at four, right? All right, guys. Mikey, thank you. Thank you, boys. See ya. All right, thanks. Thanks.